In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and this here is Untethered Live on a Sunday night. Wow, what a weekend I had. Two shows this weekend and a podcast. So needless to say, I'm tired. And I'm sick on top of that, so tired, tired. Tired and fevery. And I don't know why I'm fevery, because there's nothing wrong. I don't have any diseases. I'm just running a fever. It's weird. Think... Uh, Monday, I'm probably going to go down and get some antibiotics from the doctor and start taking those. I think that might be what I need. Either that or some vitamins or something. Something ain't right. Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about me. I mean you. <laughs> How are you doing in this wonderful world? How was your weekend? Did you do all kinds of crazy things? Did you have a good show on Friday and Saturday night? I did. Lots of people, lots of fun, exciting stuff, rocking and rolling. I got to take my brand new Marshall DSL-100H out of the house and into the real world for a real demo, and it performed admirably. It was probably the best-sounding amp I've ever owned, and it's going to stay that way. I'm done. I'm not getting any more amps. That's the one from now on. I'm going to burn that one straight to the ground because as long as it turns on, I'm going to use it. It's that good. I've got three other amps I can lean on. That's the one I'm going to use every time. And it's big and heavy and gaudy and has lots of pieces. And it takes a little bit of effort to get it there. As opposed to just throwing it in the corner somewhere in the trailer. I mean, it takes up a considerable amount of room. And it's worth it. I'll ride outside. I'll get the next ride. Whatever. It's worth having that amp there. Trust me. It's that good. So, I, I did very well with this purchase. And I hope you guys can feel how happy I am about that, and uh, maybe one day you'll get to hear it. I think that's probably a astute possibility, because I have been known to record myself rocking and rolling from time to time. Maybe you'll get a chance to hear the old Marshall in action, and the rest of my band, which to date you really haven't heard. I mean, you've heard little clips here and there, but you can't tell anything from a phone recording. Hey, April, how are you doing, sweetheart? Good to see you. Welcome to the show. It's getting hot in here all of a sudden. Mm, my temperature's all over the place because I'm still running a fever, and I can't make up my mind whether I'm freezing or burning up. It's up and down, up and down all day, and a headache to boot. I, got, I guess it's the long COVID or the walking pneumonia or whatever it is. I don't know. It just will not let me go been three weeks now and i'm still sick and i shouldn't be there's nothing wrong i feel great otherwise that's just that lingering fever and that lingering headache just will not stop 
and I'm taking all kinds of Tylenol and aspirin and BCs and goodies and the usual, you know, stuff that breaks a fever. So Monday, I'm going to go get some antibiotics and see if that don't take care of it. And if that don't take care of it, we're going to do something. I can't just stay sick. I don't think that's the way it's intended. Anyway, man, I'm all congested. You hear me breathing heavy? It's because I can't breathe. It's because my sinuses are all clogged up. And that may be what it is. It may very well be a sinus infection. And it may just be as simple as that. If that's the case, good. Then it's not COVID. It's just a sinus infection. I'll be over it eventually. What I'm worried about is uh, things they've reported from time to time, like people showing up with these long white blood clots in their blood after having COVID and things like that. That's what I'm worried about. Or, you know, heart problems afterwards. I don't need any of that. So we'll see. I'm pretty sure those are related to the, you know, other thing. I don't know, so. Hey, Fab Daddy, what's up, my buddy? Good to see you. Anyway, we're going to do some Bible study, even if it's wrong. It won't be, but we're going to do it anyway. I'm driving. Bear with me, okay? Always do. Fab Daddy, how was your weekend, buddy? I had a great weekend. I had two good shows this weekend, back-to-back. Two different bands. Both of them did excellent, performed admirably. And I got to take the old Marshall out and got to run it through the paces, and it was beautiful. I can't, I can't put into words how tickled I am to own that thing. So, if you're watching, person whom I bought it from, thank you very much. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Awesome ain't even the word. It's like the best amp I've ever owned. I mean, it has the best most articulate sound i can be at you know very high volume and then just back off into like a like a under the tone under the breath kind of tone all with the same settings and it you know, articulate every string individually or hit it hard and it'll go right back to crunch again it's just it's so articulate it's so responsive you know each note and i have a suspect that the better pickups I put on there, like I was using my workhorse guitar last night, if I put my Strat on there or a Les Paul or something with, you know, higher quality pickups, I think it'll get even better. So I'm kind of excited about that. Hey, Kev, what's up? Good to see you, my friend. Welcome to the show. Never mind my sweating and panting. I'm sick over here still. And at the current moment, burning up. I feel like I'm on fire. Very nice. Musicians get off on weird shit. Yes, they do. It's really not weird. I mean, if you think about it, the goal is is to have the best sound possible to play the best music possible. And with this amp, it allows me to do that. And if you heard a bad amp beside the good amp, you would immediately see the difference. <clears throat> you probably can't tell the difference just hearing one at a time. The average person can't anyway. Unless you're a trained musician, you wouldn't know. But if you saw them side by side and one played a note and the other played the same note, you would immediately hear the difference. Good to see you, Kevin and April, says Fab Daddy. Oh, yeah. I fell asleep sitting up last night. And you know how when you fall asleep sitting up, you kind of go forward until you're laying down? Well, I did that and put my head across the edge of my computer table 
and I feel like somebody's hit me in the head with an axe today. I am so tender across there just from laying on that board last night at the edge of my table. Weird. Don't do that, kids. If you're over 40, go to bed. Don't fall asleep sitting up. <laughs> Fab stands for fabricator. I know. It's either fabricator or fabulous. And I don't get fabulous from you. So, fabricator it is. Everyone gets off on weird shit. I refuse to say my weird shit. Oh, well. Well, come on. What's the point in hiding it? You're a grown man. Nobody here is going to judge you. Here is the place to tell people your weird shit. You got a direct connection to God. You can just directly ask for forgiveness for your weird shit. See? Easy. But you're right. Everybody gets off on weird things. Including me. Mine all revolve around some form of musical technology or some form of creativity. <coughs> Because I am a painter, after all. I am not a copy machine. There are two kinds of musicians in the world. There are painters and there are copy machines. There are the people who create music, and there are the people who love that music so much they want to play it exactly like it was played. Those are the two kinds. I am the first. There's lots of the other. There's nothing wrong with being the other, but I'm the first. I create music. I don't copy it. April says, good to see you, love. Oh, not only has she inexplicably turned British, but that was a lovely sentiment as well. I know the feeling, Jake. Mm -hmm. I am a third? What's a third? I don't think there are three. What's the third kind of musician? The kind that, what? I wouldn't even know what to say. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Come on in, take your shoes off, set a spell. We're just about to get fired up here. I'm ahead of you, though. I'm burning up over here. I got the spirit in me. A musician that plays for himself. Yes, but you still either play the music like you hear it or you play music that you create, even if you're playing just for yourself. That's kind of a side category. That's not really a third kind because it still falls into the parameters of the other two. But I see what you're saying. Not everybody has the intention of being a stage performer to play in front of people. I get that. And But that's always been what my intention was. I've always been the goal was to be out front and in front of a packed house playing music that everybody loves. Every time is different. Well, that means you're painting. Now, once I lock something in, once I learn a thing, I'll play it exactly the same way down to the nuances every time I play it for the next hundred years. But if I'm just going off the cuff, then I'll just play whatever comes to mind. But that being said, even if I learn something that I'll remember for the rest of my life, I put a lot of thought into how to make it mine. So that it, when you hear it, what comes away from what you bring away from it is something unique. So you've already heard the song. So I'm not trying to give you the same thing that the artist has already given you. So when you pay money to come see me, I want you to come away feeling like you gained something that you didn't have when you got there. So if that makes any sense. 
painting. Yes, I like that description. It really is that way. Painting with sound is a very good and astute analogy because that's exactly what you're doing. You're painting pictures. Whether it be a storytelling song or a melody that had, that takes you places, you know, you are painting a picture. You are describing a sunset or a love gone bad or whatever it is. That's what you do. You paint a picture. Hey, Margie. Welcome to the show. Come on in. Good to see you. Hope you had a good weekend. I had a good weekend. Two good shows this weekend. But I'm tired, tired, tired. I'm a tired puppy. In fact, I slept all day today, and when I get off of this podcast, I'm going to go back to sleep. At least if I can. Then I got to get up in the morning and go back to work. Back to the grindstone. That's good, though. You want that. So they tell me. The adults tell me that you want to be working every day. Every day. I never understood that one myself, but so they tell me. <laughs> Good mo. Good mo. Yo, I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. I hope so, too. I need to go get some antibiotics or some vitamins or something because whatever I'm doing ain't cutting it. I'm dripping with sweat right now. I don't know if you can see that or not. Just burning up with a fever. It ain't very high, but it's enough to make you feel terrible. You know, that kind of fever, like 99 or 101, something like that. Good evening, Walter Davis. You were the first one here, and now you're back. You left and you came back. So you can't say you were the first one here anymore. I think April beat you to it this time. But you were here first to first. To first first, you were here. So, you get winner points anyway. Anyway, we had a good show last night and the night before. I played in two different bands, my band and my country band that I play with, with the new drummer, the one I've told you about. And it was very nice, and uh, he fit right in. This is the first show that he's played with us. We've been practicing, but this is the first time we've done it live together. And he fell right into place. It's like he was reading my mind most of the night. We got along well. We communicated on stage well. He knew what I was after. He followed my cues. And that is something you need to ask for when you have a partner on stage is for somebody to read your cues. Because if you don't have that, it's going to come out all jumbled up no matter what you do. Got pulled away by the kids. Well, they're more important. So you did the right thing. Hi, Jake, Fab, Julie, April, Kevin, Stream. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm your host. You know. Hmm. Anyway, Friday night, I played with my band, and that was fun. You know, we rock and rolled a little bit and uh, turned it up. We played in a little tiny place, very quiet, very hush-hush, you know. Not when I'm there. And we turn it up to 11 because that's how we roll. But they enjoyed it, and we had a good time. Uh, as always, we got paid. That's a good plus. Always uh, the thing you're looking for. And then uh, 
That was in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. And then we went to Chacawinity, North Carolina, on Saturday night, which is a little ways away from Greenville. And we played there, country band. And uh, I had my marshal with me that night. So it was a little more rock and roll than I think they wanted it to be. But it was good. You know what I mean? It was good. Everybody enjoyed it, and everybody booked us again both places. So that's always a plus. Or at least I assume they did. They didn't say anything about, you're never coming back here again. Wasn't like that. So we'll see. All right, boys and girls, it's 17 past the hour. Are you guys ready to get started? Let's go down, shall we? Hey, 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 hey. Hi, Julian Margie, says Kevin. Kevin, you got anything for me before we get started? Pow. <clears throat> If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book of Numbers, chapter 31, verse 53. That's where we left off last week. That's where we're picking up tonight, chapter 31, verse 3. And it goes like this. For the men of war had taken spoil every man for himself. And Moses and Eleazar, the priest, took the gold of the captains of thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tabernacle of the congregation for a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. Ain't that just like the elders? Take the money and put it up for you so you can have it when you're older. Can't spend it now. Let's put it up. Let's put it in the piggy bank and you can break it open when you're 30. But not a minute before that. Let's put it up. Put it up. Put it up. That made to aggravate me so bad. I want to spend my money now, but you won't have any if you spend it. Well, that's the point of money, Mom, to spend it. I don't want to have money. I want to spend money. There's a difference. You see the difference? Having money ain't doing me no good. So, whatever. There's some wisdom in there, I suppose. Listen to your mom, folks. Now, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle... And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Ataroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbond and Elalil, Sorry, that's not right. Alila and Shabam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land of cattle. It's a land for cattle. And thy servants have cattle. You see what I'm getting here? You got land for cattle. We have cattle. How about a little switcheroo there? Wherefore, they said... If we found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Now keep this in mind. This is going to come into play several times later. This is a very important deal they're making here. The whole point is to bring the people of Israel from Egypt into the promised land, which requires going over the Jordan River. Okay? That's the promised land over there. That's the land that God has blessed and set aside and divvied up for every human being in the Israel group 
to have a portion of land under the number of their family. And these folks are saying, um, this land looks pretty good. Basically, we're tired of walking, so can we just stop here and the cattle can eat the grass and we'll be fine. We don't need to pass over Jordan. We don't need to go into the promised land. As long as we're at the gate, that's all that matters. Let this be an allegory, obviously, because I've heard a lot of Christians say, I don't need to go into heaven. Just let me pitch a tent outside the pearly gates. That'll be good enough for me. As long as I'm within the proximity of God, I'm happy. But that's not what God has in mind. So maybe you should think about what would make him happy rather than what would make you happy. That will come into play later. Just know that this is a surprise to everybody that they want to stop here before they get to Jordan and set up shop in this land that's good for cattle. As if there's not also land good for cattle in the promised land, they just don't want to walk any further. That's what I surmise. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? Because when we go across the Jordan River, we're going to have to go to war and fight for that land. And I think what you're trying to do is get out of that by taking your land right here. So we're going to have to go kill all the people that's in that land and take it. That's the promise. Once we've taken it and God will deliver it into our hands, then we'll set up shop and live there forever. But you, sir, you and you, Reuben and Gad, want to skip the whole battle and just set up shop on this side of the river, outside of the war zone and outside of the blessed area. Just think about that for a minute. Alpine Gulch, welcome, Lily. Good to see you, sweetheart. Hope you had a great weekend thus far. And I hope it just got better. Hello, Julie and all who's joined chat. I stopped for a second to type this much love to everyone. Thank you, April. Shall your brethren go to war, and ye shall sit here, he asks. And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? What if you sitting here and not going to war will discourage everybody else from wanting to go over and take the land that's been promised to them? No, we all have to go. If you want to stay here, I think we might can work something out. But you can bet your bottom dollar you're going into that battle with everybody else. You can come back to your land when you're done. But you're not getting out of this. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and unto the children of Reuben, shall you, I read that one, sorry. Thus did your fathers, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. I sent your fathers into the land, and they came back with some cockamamie story about giants and grasshoppers. They didn't no more go into the land than you want to. This is driven by cowardice, isn't it? You don't want to go to battle, but you're going to go to battle because that's why we're here. For when they went up under the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them by telling them a bunch of lies. Remember me pointing it out that they lied? 
because that ain't what they saw. Yes, there are some big boys there, but they aren't as big as they said they were, or as many of them. And what they were doing was discouraging people from going in there in the first place, which is what God has instructed them to do. And as you all know, when God instructs you to do something, by God you do it. Simple as that. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he sware, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, because they showed cowardice and skipped a few steps. I'm not going to allow them to go into the promised land in the first place. What do you think he's going to do to you if you refuse to go in there and contribute to your portion of this war we're about to enter into? Yeah, if you want to set up shop here, that's fine, but you have to go to war first, and then you can come back and claim what's yours. Sounds fair to me. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them to wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done this evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. He waited until all of the elders were dead, except for Moses and uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb. Those are the only three that survived. Everybody else died before they ever got there. Their children will inherit the promised land, but they wandered in the desert until they died because of this very sentiment. Let that be something that sinks into your head as you think about what God has in store for you or what you know in your heart to be the truth, what you know in your heart to be what God wants of you. Maybe you should do it because if you don't, something similar will befall you. That's assuming that you have a message in your heart from God. Not everyone gets those messages. Not everyone can hear the word of God. So there's a little bit of reprieve there. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men to argument, yet the fierce anger of the Lord towards Israel. Let me uh, reread that. That's not argument. That's augment. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord towards Israel. You guys are going to make it worse. That's what he's saying. You are more sinful than your fathers were because they weren't cowards. They just didn't trust God. They didn't follow him completely. You, sir, are a coward, and that's worse. So you're going to augment, make worse the anger of the Lord towards Israel. <clears throat> Moral of the story, live a long, miserable life or follow God's plan. Correct, Walter. Absolutely correct. Things will be better. Amen, brother. Amen. For if you turn away from after him, if you stop following what God wants you to do, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all this people. In your very act of disobedience to what God wants, you're going to end up destroying all of your kinfolks. 
all of these young people, they're all going to die if you do this thing because that's the way God operates. You either do what he wants you to do or you die in the wilderness. It's as simple as that. I may be being a little harsh here, but that's what's happening. And they came near unto him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready, armed before the children of Israel, until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in defensed cities because of the inhabitants of the land. Well, that's a smart compromise. Good. You leave your kids and your cattle here. And you men of fighting age, go on with Israel into the promised land and make sure every one of them achieves their goal of gaining control of the land allotted them. And when the war is over and all pieces of land are accounted for, then you can go back across the Jordan River and join your family and your cattle where you left them. Smart move. Because the alternative means everybody dies. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side of Jordan or forward, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side of Jordan eastward. Well, no. God allotted you a piece of land on the western side. You chose the eastern side because you like the property. Don't get it wrong here. Don't misunderstand your intentions. You change the terms of the deal, not God. God said, go into the promised land and I'll give it to you, but you're going to have to fight for it, period. You said, hey, this looks pretty nice. We got cattle. There's lots of grass. Let's stay here. Do you see what's happening? Okay, fine. You stay here. But all of your men of fighting age are going to go with Israel. You're not going to get out of this war. They need every man on board and ready to rock and roll for what's about to come before them. They can't be without one of the 12 tribes. That's the power of the army of Israel is all 12 tribes working in unison. If one is missing, they are a weakened army. That's right. God says it's bad. Fight it. Not too much gray area in his word. No, there's not. When God lays out something, he pretty much, pretty damn well means it. It's exactly what he said. That's what he wants. And contrary to popular belief, he's not too wishy-washy about it either. I've heard people say that God talks in allegory and, and uh, parables, and it's so hard to understand what he wants. And I'm like, have we read the same Bible? Because my Bible, a three-year-old, could understand the concepts. Maybe not the words, but the concepts are pretty simple. A child can grasp everything God is after. There's not one thing in the Bible that's too hard to understand. Maybe some of the words are too hard to understand, but if you got a guy like me that can break it down into plain English and show you what they're saying, then it's not a problem. Not a problem at all. Well, I don't want to have to work for the Word of God. Really? Then you don't want it too bad, then do you? Anything worth having is worth fighting for, worth working for. Right. Well, it's kind of like dot, dot, dot. I agree with Walter. By the way, hey, brother.
wrong? What's wrong? Jesus is God. Walter, what are you saying is wrong? When people try to tell you it's not what it says. Oh, I got you. Yeah, when they try to change the meaning of what God says or make it more complicated than it is, that's a problem. You're right about that. That is wrong. Just take it for what he says. Take one little bite at a time and then analyze it and then see if you can understand the meaning behind the words that are being spoken. Now, this was written a long time ago in a different language, translated into our language, so there's going to be some translation barriers but for the most part, it's pretty simple what God wants. I got fat thumbs and hit sin by accident. And I hear you. I agree again, says Kevin. God is so simple even children can understand. I agree. And Moses said unto them, If ye will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all you, all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him and that the land is subdued before the Lord. Then afterwards you shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel. We won't hold it against you. And this land shall be yours, your possession before the Lord. Yeah, we are the children. You are right. I'm home safe. Yay, says April. Good deal. So, he says, if if you'll go to war, if you'll get all your men together and arm up and put your armor on and follow us into battle until this land has been subdued, until every bit of the fighting is over and everybody is starting to build their cities and move into their land, you will be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel. Nobody's going to hold this against you because you went and did your part of the responsibility of what needs to be done here. You are part of a 12-tribe group. As long as you do your part, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. God's not going to hold it against you. As long as you do what he tells you to do, there's room for wiggle room on the other side of that. But you got to do what he said do. And so they agree to this. But, they, he said... If ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Be absolutely certain you won't get away with it if you choose to not go into battle or if you choose to try to get out of it in some kind of way. Just know it's going to get you. Build you cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep, and do that which hath proceeded out of your mouth. Do what you said you were going to do. God will never hold it against you as long as you do what you say you're going to do. Be a man of your word. Be a man of honor. When you say something, mean it. When you say something, do it. And you will never have any trouble in this world. Other than the trouble you will incur from people who do not do what they say they're going to do. 
And if you stay away from those people, you won't have that problem. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Amen. That's all he wants. Loami, Miami, I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's what I'm here for. That's why we're doing this. No other gods before me. Ten simple rules. Simple as that. Live wholesome and right. Follow my commandments and statutes and edicts and all the little rules that I put in place for you personally. And let's get on with it. I will be your God. I will protect you. I will give you the land you desire. I will make your life increase. So many people want a payoff at the end, and they don't understand what the price is. Sometimes the payoff ain't got nothing to do with money. We'll see. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. That's Moses, lowercase l, as my Lord Moses saith. I'll do what you're telling me to do, Moses. So concerning them, Moses commanded Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said unto them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass with you over Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord, and the land shall be subdued before you, then ye shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. But if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Meaning, their punishment will be they don't get no land. They have to live off of you. You're going to have to carve out a place for them in your land. Because they didn't do their part. They don't get the inheritance. Does that make sense? In other words, they're going to live in your guest house. Because they don't get a house of their own. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord hath said unto thy servants, so will we do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, and the possession of our inheritance on this side, the eastern side of Jordan, may be ours. Pretty easy. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, and unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, Og and Magog, that's a popular duo. This is the former half of that. King of Bashan. Bashan. The land with the cities therefore thereof in the coasts, even the cities of the country round about. So they get a pretty sizable portion of land, just not in the promised land with everybody else. Welcome, Kim Trail Warrior. Good to see you. Come in, take your shoes off, set a spell. We're just getting deep into the book of numbers. If you got a Bible handy, crack it open and join us. If not, I welcome you to sit and listen. If you have any questions, feel free to ask.
and the children of Gad built Dibon and Ataroth and Aror and Ataroth Shofan and Jazer and Gogbaha and Beth Nimrah and Beth Haran fenced cities and folds for the sheep. They were already there. Well, they had reached the land before they crossed over the Jordan River. They had reached a, a portion of land in Gilead. And Gad and Reuben saw it. And they're like, hey, this is plenty of room for our cattle and our sheep. Let's just stay here. And that way we don't have to go over there. Well, that's not what's going to happen because they had to agree to go to war in order to get this land because they have land over the Jordan River already allotted for them, if that makes any sense. Was anyone living there? Probably the Gilead people, yeah. Hi, Denise, says Walter Davis. Is that who Kim Trail is? My Bible is always handy. Thanks for the welcome. You are certainly welcome. I hope you get something out of this little lesson today. And feel free to contribute if you come up with something you don't hear me say. And the children of Reuben built Hezbon, Alile, and Kirjath-Derim, and Nebo, and Balmion, their names being changed, meaning they were not named that originally, and Shibma, and gave other names unto cities which they built. And the children of Machir, the sons of Manasseh, went to Gilead, the place we're talking about, and took it and dispossessed the Amorite which was in it. So there's the answer to your question, Fab Daddy. The Amorites lived there in Gilead. They're going to be removed soon anyway because they are not necessarily human. They don't belong there. They don't belong on earth. So the Amorite is going to be removed at some point anyway. So this kind of works into the plan, if that makes any sense. So Moses gave the people permission to live there. Yes, pretty much. He cut a deal with Gad and, and Reuben. As long as they went to war, they could have that land instead of the land that was allotted for them. After his death, no one that sinned could enter the promised land. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll have to find where it says that. A lot of sinning going on in the promised land is why I say that. So they were at war with the Gilead people quite quickly, yes. They probably took them rather quickly because Gilead is a relatively small area by comparison and the 12 tribes of Israel is a quite a big army, so they probably took them real quick. Why was there war over land? It wasn't war over land. It was, um, if you go back and read the beginning of this book of Numbers, you find out that the people that lived there sinned so much and did so many bad things that the land actually stopped producing for them. It actually stopped growing food. And the land itself spat them out, meaning they were kicked out of the land because of their sin. And here's this group 
the 12 tribes of Israel who were brought out of Egypt as slaves into the wilderness where they were re-educated into the ways of God after 450 years of being held captive. And God says, well, this area has spat its inhabitants out so this people can go there. So it's just a turnover of land. This happens all the time. Same thing in America when the English came over and spat out the Indians. And now we own the property. It's just how it works. That's the 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 uh, the bad thing about nation building. Moses didn't cross over the river. No, Moses didn't. Moses sinned against God. Moses disobeyed a direct order from God. So God told him, I'll allow you to see the promised land, but you'll never set foot in it. So when they got to the valley that led into the promised land, Moses got to look across the valley and see it, and there he died. He never got to go into the promised land. War to remove the sinners from the land. That's right. So the land was evil. No, the people in the land were evil. Land can't be evil. Land is just land. It's just dirt. But the people there were. Not only were they evil, they were practicing idolatry and passing their babies through fire and committing all forms of bestiality and incest and molestations. and They were just really doing some bad stuff there. And, but the main thing that they were doing were worshiping false gods. And God does not like that. It's commandment number one for a reason. Land is land. People are evil. That's right, Walter. So Moses was a sinner, and we are supposed to follow his ways. Well, Moses was the lawgiver, and he did commit a sin, yes, but everyone is a sinner, including you and including everyone else. The only one that has ever existed on this earth that did not sin was Jesus Christ. Everyone else, guilty. He took credit for God's work in the desert. That's right. That's what his sin was. God told him to speak to the rock and tell the people that God would provide water. And instead, he put on this little play where he raised his staff up in there and hit the rock three times with the staff and said, Am I supposed to provide water for all these people? Well, no, Moses, you can't provide water for all these people. That's God's doing. But what he did was took credit from God this was meant to be something that caused the people to trust God, to have faith in him. And instead, Moses made it about himself, which is why he didn't get to go. Kind of like the mega church leaders today. Yeah, I guess. I guess you got a point there. That happens a lot, unfortunately. Was it a staff or a weapon? It was a stick. A walking stick, but you could use it as a weapon. He used it to turn it into a snake one time. So, you know. It wasn't like a sword. It was a walking stick. It's actually Aaron's walking stick. Moses inherited it from Aaron. And now resides in the Ark of the Covenant, where it budded and produced walnuts or was it almonds? can't remember which. Either way, it produced some kind of nut to prove that God is the bringer of life after it had been a walking stick for 100 years. Same staff, yes. And the children of Reuben, wait a minute, I'm going to skip one. And the children of Gad built Dibon and Ataroth, and I read that one. And the children of Reuben built Heshbon, I read that one. 
and the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and took and disposed of the Amorite which was in it. And Moses gave Gilead unto Machir, the sons of Manasseh, and he dwelt therein. And Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and took a small towns thereof, and called them Havath Jair. So the little towns around Gilead, Jair took for himself. God made a deal. Stick love and produce fruit. Huh? I like that. And Nobah went and took Kenath and the villages thereof and called it Nobah after his own name. These are the journeys of the children of Israel. Now that line right there, that's a signature. That's where one author changes to another author. These are the journeys, or this is the words of, or these are the days of. Anytime you read a line like that, we're switching authors. <clears throat> These are the journeys of the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. That's why we have the five books of Moses, because he wrote all this down. Good enough. And these are their journeys according to their goings out, according to where all they went. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month. On the 15th day of the first month, the first month being April, by the way. The Jewish first month is April. On the morrow after the Passover, which is 14 days past the spring equinox in April. That's why I know the first month is April. On the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with an high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. They went out of Egypt toting all the gold and all the silver and anything else they could get their hands on. They walked out like bosses. That's what God will do for you. After ten plagues, after the death of the firstborn child, the death angel coming through, after all that Moses and, and Ramesses did, they walked out like straight-up pimps when they left Egypt. We'll just take that, and we'll take that, and we'll take Thank you. We'll take that, too. Okay. And the Egyptians were sitting there scratching their heads like, okay, take what you want, just please, no more pain. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them. Upon their lowercase gods, also the Lord executed judgments. And the children of Israel removed from Ramesses and pitched in Succoth. Now it is true it is possibly true that the Pharaoh was Ramesses II. That's what we all think. We're not sure because it doesn't really say. But this place, Ramesses, is a city named after the Pharaohs, a long line of Ramesses. The name Ramesses has been used several times. So we're talking about they were in the city of Ramesses. That's where they left from. So don't get that confused with the Pharaoh Ramesses. <clears throat> but most scholars agree is probably Ramesses II that was Pharaoh at the time. <clears throat> and the children of Israel removed from Ramesses and pitched in Succoth. And they departed from Succoth and pitched in Etham, which is in the edge of the wilderness. The wilderness in this case means desert, not forest of trees. 
for whatever reason, they call that the wilderness, but it just means desert. Rocky terrain with very few trees. <clears throat> and they removed from Etham and turned again unto Piharoth. 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 Whatever. Which is before Balzfion. Balzephion. That's it. And they pitched in Mid Migdal. They pitched before Migdal. And they parted from before Pihiroth and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness and went three days' journey in the wilderness of Etham and pitched in Mara. So they're three days out into the desert by foot. And we're talking a couple million people, probably six million people, plus women and children and animals. So they're moving kind of slow. So it'll take three days to get very few, very short distance. Ramesses means go dogs in Egyptian, huh? And they removed from Mara and came unto Elim. And in Elim were twelve fountains of water and threescore and ten palm trees. And they pitched there. Now this oasis has been found. You can go three days outside of Ramesses and there is this little oasis with the uh, 60 palm trees, 70 palm trees and 12 fountains of water. 12 fountains for every one for every tribe. This is one way we know that all of this occurred in that area because as you follow their journey, you'll find little things that they come across and there they are, right where the Bible says they are. Where'd it go? Did you just remove something that you just put in my chat? Don't do that, please. I was trying to read that. Where'd it go? Did I miss it? I guess I missed it. It was something in the book of Mika. Now, why did you remove that message? That's one, Kevin. <laughs> She's getting on you, Kev. Watch her now. Now that I lost my place. No, oh, I'm at the bottom. That's why. And they removed from Mira and came unto Elam. And in Elam were twelve fountains of water, three score and ten palm trees, and they pitched there. And they removed from Elam and encamped by the Red Sea. And they took from the Red Sea and encamped in the wilderness of Sin. And they took their journey out of the wilderness of Sin and encamped in Dovka. Dovka. That's Russian, by the way. And they departed from Dovka. And encamped in Elush. And they removed from Elush and encamped in Rephidim. Rephidim 
there's some that's not exactly the right word, but there's a word similar that means land of the dead. I think the word is raphium, something like that, land of the dead or the walking dead or something like that. Anyway, anytime you see the word raphium, be thinking about that because there were some weird people in those that group. This isn't exactly that word, though, but it's pretty close. Rephidim. That's a place where was no water for the people to drink, and they departed from Rephidim and pitched in the wilderness of Sinai. And they removed from the desert of Sinai and pitched in Kibroth Hativa. And they departed from Kibroth Hativa and encamped in Hazaroth. And they departed from Hazaroth and pitched in Rithma. Please do not wrench me, April, says Kevin. Oh, you'd like it and you know it. April going to work you over, Kevin. <laughs> there is an archaeologist who followed the biblical trail of Moses and found all the stops. The Crusaders were the first to try and find the trail, but got it wrong. Yep, you're absolutely right. But everything that the Bible says is there is there. And the reason that they got it wrong was because scientists invented this clever little thing called BCE, which is a new dating system. Used to be BC and AD. Now it's BCE. I don't know what it stands for, but basically what it means is take all these dates and move them 200 years that way. So that when you find something that the Bible says is right there and you go there and find it, the scientists can go, yeah, it dates to the wrong period of time. That can't be it. Beautiful how that works out. Anyway, that happens. And they departed from Rithma and pitched it Ramon Perez. And they departed from Ramon Perez and pitched in Libna. And they removed from Libna and pitched it Arissa. And they journeyed from Rissa and pitched in Kehelitha. And they went from Kehelitha and pitched in Mount Shafir. And they removed from Mount Shafir and encamped in Herida. And they removed from Herida and pitched in Machaloth. And they removed from Machaloth and encamped in Tahath. And they departed from Tahath and pitched in Tara. And they removed from Tara and pitched in Mithka. And they went from Mithka and pitched in Hashmana. And they departed from Hashmana and encamped in Moseroth. And they departed from Moseroth and pitched in Benejekin. And they removed from Benejekin and encamped in Horhagadad. Horhagadad. That's it. And they went from Horhagadad and pitched in Jothbatha. And they removed from Jothbatha, Jothbatha and encamped in Ebrona. And they departed from Ebrona and encamped in Eziangabur. Eziangabur. And they removed from Eziangabur and pitched in the wilderness of Zin, which is Kadesh. Now, Kadesh is an important place. It's a place that a lot of things happen there. 
They removed from Kadesh and pitched in Mount Hor, in the edge of the land of Edom. And Aaron, the priest, went up into the Mount Hor and at the commandment of the Lord and died there. Yep. Well, you see, Aaron, it started with two of his sons. They brought strange fire into the camp, which means fire from another god into the camp to put in the sacrifice for the Lord God, which that's a big no-no. So God burned those two boys up right in front of Aaron. Aaron couldn't say anything because they were in the wrong, so he held his peace, but I'm sure it worked on him a lot. Well, then later on, his other two sons did something stupid, and they got killed. And then, ultimately, Aaron did something stupid. Probably the fact that he was the one putting the golden calf together at the foot of Mount Zion while he could look up a small mountain not very tall at all, and see the glory of God upon the top of the mountain and hear the thunderings of his voice as Moses was up there for 40 days. They could watch this occur day and night. And while they were doing that, he's down here making a false idol to worship out of gold because the people decided they wanted to make an idol and worship it rather than God, and he obliged them. He didn't really believe in what they were doing, but he went along with it. And I think that probably had something to do with it. But he ended up, when they got pretty close to the promised land, God said, hey, Aaron, go up into that mountain and die after you get some stuff done. So he went up into the mountain and got his stuff done, and there he died. But before he died, he was stripped of all of his garments, which are priest garments. So he wasn't even allowed the dignity of dying in the priest's garments, and they were given to two other boys. And there you go. That's the end of that. And that happened in Mount Hor. In the 40th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, in the first day of the fifth month, and Aaron was an hundred and twenty and three years old when he died in Mount Hor, and the king Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south in the land of Canaan, heard of the coming of the children of Israel, and they departed from Mount Hor and pitched in Zalmanah. And they departed from Zalmanah and pitched in Punan. And they departed from Punan and pitched in Oboth. And they departed from Oboth and pitched in Ejibarim, in the border of Moab. And they departed from Em and pitched in Debongad. Em. You see that? Em. Even they didn't want to say that word again. <laughs> Egyptarim. So they just called it Em. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. Everywhere they camped, they left a mark there were hundreds of thousands of them, millions of them actually. In the camps have been all been found. I don't doubt that. Is there? Oh, I read that one. Margie, I'd sure like to know what scripture you quoted there that you removed. If you get a chance to redo it, I'd like to read that because I'm sure it had something to do with what we were talking about. 
I saw it, and then you removed it before I could read it. Now I'm going to be thinking about it all night. And they removed from Debongad and encamped in Almondiblathame. Almondiblathame. What a word. And they removed from Almondiblathame and pitched in the mountains of Abram before Nebo. And they departed from the mountains of Abram and pitched in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Jericho, the oldest city that has a wall around it known to man. The oldest walled city we know of is Jericho. And it's famous for the Israelites marching around it for seven days and that wall come tumbling down. All but one little section of it. That one little section of it housed a woman that would prove to be very uh, necessary in the battle to come. They got to prove their point and save the woman who was living there. And they departed from the mountains of Abram and pitched the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. And they pitched by Jordan from Beth Jezimoth, even unto Abel Shittim, into the plains of Moab. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. God does not like false idol worship. He will kill you over it. Don't do it. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. That's more than just living there. They own it. It's theirs to subdue it and make it work for them. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to the more, you shall give the more inheritance. And to the fewer, you shall give less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers, you shall inherit. In other words, if you got a big family, you get a lot of land. If you got a tiny family, you get very little land. It's according to the number of your tribe. And the land is divvied up according to the families. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your ears and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. What's that? God says if you do not drive out every living person from this land, if you don't Get them out of here. You ain't got to kill them. You just got to make them leave. Might have to kill a few of them. But if you don't drive them out, they will bug you and be a nuisance to you, and they will haunt you all the days you live here. And moreover, 
at some point, they're going to convince you to go into their way of doing things, and then I'm going to do to you what I told you to do to them. I'm going to spit you out of this land also. Now, this land we're talking about is Canaan, the land of Canaan. You can see it on a map. It's a pretty big land. They call it the land flowing with milk and honey, meaning that it's prosperous and green and everything grows there, and it's a good piece of land. Have you seen Canaan lately? It's basically brown, the whole thing. It's all desert. There's nothing growing there, nothing of, of substance anyway. It is not flowing with milk and honey. So what does that tell you? What can you infer from that knowledge? That God's people did not do what they were told to do at some point. Therefore, the land stopped producing as it did before. And as it did before, it took them seven years to get the land to start producing again once they took it over. And for three of those seven years, they couldn't eat anything that grew there. They had to let it grow, let it die, let it fall off naturally, and go back to the dirt to produce nutrients. So for three years, or five years, I can't remember which, they let the land grow and grow and grow and produce and produce and produce, but they didn't pick anything. They didn't eat anything. And on the seventh year, they were allowed to take up the harvest and eat. So it took that long to get the land back to a production state, back to a, a, a state of um, health, good, good quality property. So, you know, when the land stops producing, you're in bad trouble. Sound took down the wall the first time. Yep, it sure did. You shall divide the... I read that one tonight. Among your families. The more you shall give, the more inherit. Yep. But if you... I read that one too. And that one. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land shall fall unto you for an inheritance, even the land of Canaan, with all the coasts thereof. Then your south quarter shall be from the wilderness of Zin along by the coast to Edom, or the, the coast of Edom, and your southern border shall be the outmost coast of the Salt Sea eastward, and your border shall turn from the south to ascend to Akrabim and pass on to Zin. And the going forth thereof shall be from the south to Kadesh Barna, or Kadesh Barnia, and shall go to Hazaratter and pass on to Asmon. And the border shall fetch a compass from Asmon unto the river of Egypt. And the goings out of it shall be at the sea. And as for the western border, you shall even have the great sea for a border. This shall be your west border. And this shall be your north border. From the great sea you shall point out for your Mount Hor. You shall point out for you Mount Hor. From Mount Hor, you shall point out your border unto the entrance of Hamath. 
and the goings forth of the border shall be Zedad, to Zedad, and the border shall go on to Ziphron, and the goings out of it shall be at Hazaranan. This shall be your north border. And ye shall point out your east border from Hezeranan to Shepham. And the coast shall go down from Shepham to Ribla, on the east side of Ain. And the border shall descend, and shall reach unto the side of the sea of Chinnereth, eastward. And the border shall go down to Jordan, and the goings out of it shall be at the salt sea. This shall be your land with the coasts thereof round about. And that's where we're going to stop for today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up tomorrow night, 3413. Man, what an intense, lovely read this was tonight. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you learned something, and I hope it enticed you to want to come back and read some more. So sorry, typing is horrible. Mika 6.8, he hath shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Amen. That's a beautiful statement. I totally understand my typing ain't that good either, but thank you for uh, resending it, because I really wanted to I caught a glimpse of it, but I knew it had a good message, but I couldn't I couldn't read the whole thing. Mm. What does the Lord require of you? What does he ask you to do? At the end of the day, he's always walking with you, regardless of if you're walking with him or not, he's there. So it's a beautiful thing. Thanks, Jake, for reading and giving your opinions. It's appreciated. Well, thank you, sir. I try very hard not to give my opinion of things, though, but I understand where you're coming from. Won't you guys do me a favor? Hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online and when my new videos drop. Smash that like button. It's free. It's right in front of you. It's effortless. It takes no effort at all, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms, and it helps us get recommended to other people, so won't you do that? Share this video with people you love. Better yet, share it with people you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below. Let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Hell, make your own Kool-Aid as long as you're thinking critical. That's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours. And hey, if you love the Word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here, or if you feel pressed upon your heart to send your tithes, offerings, or love offerings, or if you'd like to contribute to my work, or if you'd just like to pat me on the back and say, hey, nice job, Jake. You can do that by going to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband. Or if you're a Cash App user, dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing for me. It's a blessing for you, too, because God notices these things. We do live in a reciprocal universe. You know, ask, and you shall be answered. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Give, and you shall receive. But you have to initiate. God's already done his part. So, 
with that, I will do everything in my power to be worthy of your confidence, worthy of your trust, and worthy of your support. And I hope to be able to live up to that. And with that, I will take all of your questions and comments in this next section I'd like to call. Jake smokes a cigarette and answers questions. Hmm. What say you? What did you learn? What did you figure out from this read tonight? Did you get anything? Was it exciting? Do you feel like your brain's turned to mayonnaise? Are you ready to just fall over and drool on yourself? Or were you enlightened? Do you feel like your brain grew a couple of sizes? I do. Hmm. April says, Amen. Nice read, Jake. Much love. To all, may God bless and have a great evening and all day tomorrow, everyone. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys being here. You mean the world to me. Hey, MVTV, good to see you, my buddy. Haven't seen you all night. I'm glad you're here. Good evening, except for those dang place names. Still think Moses. Hmm. Punishment was a little harsh. Yeah, it was a little harsh. But when you're talking to the Almighty directly, you should probably consider that you're entreated with doing what he tells you to do exactly. Or the punishment might be a little harsh. Everybody don't get to be in direct contact with God Almighty. That's pretty special. So the fact that Moses was, he shouldn't have done anything even remotely close to a sin. Seems kind of dumb that he did. I played guitar like a painter during your reading. It was colorful. Did you hear anything that I read? It's beautiful that you were playing the guitar, though. I appreciate that. Kim Trail Warrior. Ashton Rapole. Can you mention that next time? Thanks. Yeah, if I can figure out what you're talking about. I don't know what an Asherah pole is. Enlighten me, and then I'll talk about it. I'll go do some research. Is it in the book of Numbers? Was in silent mode tonight. Busy away from the keyboard. Prepping for a big trip as... A three-day storm comes in, of course. Hi, chat. Subconsciously. Mm. Come on, man. Come on, man. I need you to engage with me here. That's what we're doing. You do it however you see fit, buddy. As long as you're here, that's what matters. <clears throat> but I prefer the lessons go directly into your brain. I know you did. I'm just giving you a hard time. You're fine. Where are you going, MVTV? This going to take you three days to get there. You don't succumb that easy to what? 
What are you referring to there? Is it coming to a lesson? I mean, it's free, and it's correct. I don't know what you'd be succumbing to. But I hear you. Way to fight the man. Helena and back. 860 miles round trip. Wow. Man, I have pure sweated right through this shirt. Can you see that? It's like 40 degrees outside, and I'm sweating like a pig. Whew. My fever must be breaking. That must be what's going on. Good. need it to go away. Yeah, Moses argued with the Hebrew God. Well, he's everybody's God, but the Hebrews were there, that's for sure. Toxins. Yeah, that's coming out of me. The wind is 60 miles per hour here. Wow. Alpine. Lockdown. Make sure you're tied off. Take care of yourself and don't get swept away up there, okay? That would be bad. Chat just wouldn't be the same without Alpine in it. It's not very windy here, but last night it was cold. It got down to 30 degrees last night. Tonight, it looks like it's uh, 31 degrees outside. I don't know if it is or not. Let's see. Please, no wind here. Snow forecast is just enough to get out Tuesday morning in Les Driftsville, USA. I hear, oh, it's 54 degrees here. It's not 30, it's 50. Still, shouldn't be sweating. What's mentioned in the Bible over 30 times, Chemtrail? Are you referring to the Hebrews? Well, they're the ones that wrote the Bible for the most part. I'll be heading into 16. Mm. My best friend that I play billiards with lost his mother on Friday. Oh, she was the second mom to me. I'm sorry to hear that, Fab Daddy. You have our prayers blessing to you. Sorry to hear that, Fab Daddy. This is MBTV. Thoughts, of you, thoughts to you and your friend. The staff of Aaron, the stick. Question mark, question mark. I don't know.
I do the best I can to keep up with the chat, but I'm not clairvoyant. You have to be specific, or I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, Montana, says Walter Davis. Yeah, Fab Daddy, I'm sorry about your loss, buddy. Your delivery was on spot, spot on, even though you were ill. Would that we all could fulfill our mission, no matter what. Thank you. I take that as a great compliment. And yeah, it don't matter how I feel. I got a job to do, so I'm going to do it. I may be dragging while I do it, but I'll do it. Heck, she was a tough cookie. It lasted three years. I hear you. I thought you were looking and sounding better, Jake. Maybe a little flushed now, unless it's the lights. No, I am running a fever tonight, and uh, I have felt terrible all day. I've got some kind of sinus thing going on, and uh, my head is compressed, like I can feel the pressure in my sinuses, and I've been fevery all afternoon, and just, ugh, just won't let me go. I, I had COVID over a, about a month ago, and uh, it lasted four days. I had the real bad headache and the fever and the coughing and the whole nine yards. And then it went away and I felt great. And then the next day I felt bad. And then the day after that I felt great. And then the next day I felt bad. And it just been going like that ever since. I just cannot shake it. I don't know what it is. Something ain't right. Either that or my immune system keeps fighting it. Maybe it's doing all this uh, mutating inside of me at, at one time. Who knows? My best friend can have a life again. He's been taking care of his mom for seven years plus. Well, he did what he was supposed to do, take care of his mama. I took care of my mama, too, when she was in that condition. And I'm telling you, he wouldn't want it any other way, and probably she wouldn't either. But you're right. When that burden is lifted, he can go and live again. Jake, have you tried frankincense? I have not. More valuable than myrrh and gold back in the day. About 20 bucks now in an herb store. I might try that. I was thinking antibiotic, but if frankincense will do it, I'll give it a shot. My turn is coming. I dress it. Dread it. Snort some rosin lighter fluid and ignite it if you can. It'll hurt like hell, but guaranteed to clear your sinuses after that. I bet. Or so I hear on the internet. And on risk. I think I'll uh, refrain. The Asherah pole is mentioned over 30 times. Really? Funny, I hadn't seen that word even once. Are you referring to the caduceus? That's the brass snake wrapped around the pole? Is that what you're talking about? Well, let's find out. I'll look it up. You got me curious now.
An Asherah pole is a sacred tree or pole that stood near the Canaanite religious locations to honor the Ugartic mother, goddess Asherah, escort of El. The relation of the literary reference is to an Asherah, an archaeological find of Judean pillar figurines and has endangered a uh, literature of debate, or engendered a uh, uh, literature of debate. That sounds a lot like a false god to me, and I stay away from things like that, which is probably why I've never heard the word. But you're going to have to show me where it says it 30 times in the Bible, because I've read the Bible quite a few times in more than three languages, and I have never seen that before. But if you'll show me, I'll go look at it and say whether I'm wrong or not. Interesting, says April. Night, brother, says Kevin. Good night, brother. It clears out your lungs effortlessly. You must mean the in, the uh, frankincense. Yeah, I'll try it. No thanks, MBTV. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm going to skip that one. My mom died today in 1972. I'm sorry for your loss, Kim Trail. She's in a better place now, that's for sure. But, uh... It don't hurt nonetheless. Salute to your mom, Chemtrail. Rather snort tapitio. I'd rather snort tapitio sauce. I don't know what that is, but that sounds hot. I have a bottle of frankincense oil and the incense. I'll give it a shot. I'll try anything once. I gave some to a guy I know who was sick, fighting pneumonia for over a month. Antibiotics, three days and done. Well, I'll damn sure try it. I'll go to the herb store tomorrow and find some. I love the smell. I wear it as perfume, too. Hmm. Smell like frankincense, huh? Probably good reason why it was so valuable in the past. I'd say you probably got a point there. Peppermint is good for respiratory system. Mm-hmm. Alpine says it's dollars six. Chemtrail Warrior says, OMG, you never had COVID. Well, tell me I never had COVID. I certainly did about three weeks ago. She's with our father, amen, says April. I agree. Don't heat the peppermint up. I won't. Denise, I got a bottle of Allen. I got a bottle for Allen, but haven't got down your way. Oh, that's very nice of you, Walter. Hasn't cured anything but the priests sure notice, LOL. <laughs> they probably uh, pay close attention when you walk in the room. I, w I wonder if it's the frankincense or the shape. Fab Daddy says, no, I am wrong. Peppermint is digestive system. Well, I know peppermint is good for a couple things. It's a good, it's a good uh, leaf, that peppermint plant. There's several different kinds of mint. That's good for you. Um, my granny used to grow some in her in her uh, front porch, a little pot, 
She'd just break a leaf off and chew on it. But it'd be real good for you. I just brewed coffee. I just had a cup of coffee not too long ago. Still got some of it. She's about 20 miles from my boat, but 100 miles from my house. Hmm. Well, all right, boys and girls, we made it to the top of the half hour, and uh, it's time for me to go to bed. So I'm going to make like a tree and get the hell out of here. I like crushing up, burning sage, free and plentiful at least. I hear you. You have children, right? Yes, I do. Two of them. Lovely children. Smart children. Very proud of them. get well soon. Thank you, sweetheart. Say a prayer. I'm sure I'll come out of it at some point. It can't last forever. At some point, my body's got to get tired of it and kick it out. One would think. Why did God not protect his children? He did. Who said he didn't? Have a great night. All God bless. Thank you, Walter. Good night, all. Thanks, Jake. Later. Good night, MVTV. Have a great night. Good night, all. Make like a ball and bounce. LOL. Make like a tree and get out. <laughs> sometimes children don't deserve protection. And sometimes they do. And Jake, make plans to come north this summer and jam on the boat. And that sounds like a fantastic idea, Walter. I may very well do that. Thank you for the invite. I hope everyone the best, Heart. Thanks, Alpine. You're a, a wonderful, wonderful soul there. You too, Alpine, says Julie. He let Eve put her finger in the electric socket. <laughs> well, he didn't let her do it. He told her not to do it, and she did it anyway. I love you, Jake. Get well soon. Everyone, see you tomorrow night. Thank you, sweetheart. I love you, too. And I'm trying. And I'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks for joining, everyone. Thanks for your work, Jake. You are certainly welcome. It's my pleasure. I consider it an honor to be able to do so. All are invited, too. You too, Denise. Oh. Well, I may very well join you on that boat one of these days. I could do with some boat jamming. I, I like a good boat. But as I said before, you need power on that boat. You can't just play the guitar on a boat. How do I know that? Because I did a show on a catamaran one time, and they wanted me to do it acoustic with no amps. It didn't work. Couldn't nobody hear me. So I ended up just joking with everybody for four hours and riding a catamaran. I got paid, but can't nobody hear you when you're up against the ocean. It's a lot louder than a guitar is. All right, everybody. I love you, True. I do. 
Thank you so much for being so interesting. Thank you for having such a great conversation. Thank you for contributing and being part of this thing with me. Thank you for sitting through it all and listening to my caterwauling. And thank you for putting up with it. And uh, I love you, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Won't you do me a favor? When you go out into the world tomorrow and you encounter other people, do something for me. Smile and be nice. That's all. Just be nice. Doesn't matter what they do. Doesn't matter how they react. Doesn't matter if they deserve it. Just be nice. And I promise you it'll change your life. I promise you it will open doors you didn't even know were available to you. It will cause your inner light to begin to shine. And people will take notice. And they'll come up to you and talk to you. Strike up a conversation with you. They'll see it. It's very attractive, that light. And people want it. When they see you have it, they want it. All you got to do is be nice and let your light shine. That's it. Just be outward in your uh, expression. Just reach out and be welcoming to anybody that comes your way. Do that for me, won't you? See if it don't work. Tell me about it tomorrow night. Tell me if it worked. Have a great night. Thank you all for being here. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. I hope you got as much out of the read as I did. Until tomorrow night, thanks for watching. Thank you.